Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Bad History. Bad History. I am joined this week, like every single other week, with my good friend and esteemed colleague and accredited author, Dave. What's going on, Dave? What's going on, Steven? Nothing much. Uh, So welcome back to a brand new episode. Uh, This is episode number 24. We never like say what what episode number it is in the actual episode, but this is number 24. We should start saying that, like at the beginning of every episode, I think. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, But, you know... So <laughs> last week, uh, last week we talked about animals. Animals. I don't know. I don't even know. I, well, I don't even know. Uh, that was a, that was a fun episode, though. It was it was cool to kind of just say, all right, well, we're presented with this very odd topic, so let's just kind of see where it goes. I think uh, we pulled it off, though. I think we we pulled something out of our ass that we qualified <laughs> as an episode, so it worked. It worked. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to record. I had a really good time recording that one and uh, doing research for for that. But uh, this week, we are going to be talking about covert operations. Covert operations. So we're going to be talking about James Bond and Austin Powers, and mostly Austin Powers, I would probably say. Uh, yeah. But we, I think we found some good ones this week, and I think it should be a, good, a pretty good week. But first of all, but first, before we do any of that, Dave, I gotta know. You gotta tell me what's going on, man. How's your week been? <laughs> I feel like you're like uh, a drug addict, and you're just like twitching and scratching. <laughs> Dave, I, I gotta know, man. I gotta know how's it going, man. We're recording at like doing, we're recording at such a weird time that like I'm not used to this. You know what I mean? Like I'm used no, to being like, a little like a little delusionally tired. Yeah, we don't record. We usually record at like night, like nine yeah. o'clock, ten o'clock, and it's five o'clock. Almost six, yeah. and I'm not used to this. I'm not used to. Yeah, being we're alert. usually like in an exhausted chill, but now you're yeah. just a little. Well, anyway, this week, uh, <laughs> this week, uh, what did I do this week? Just like watched some movies randomly, um, played like a lot of fighting games on the old video game box. Uh, but something kind of crazy happened yesterday, Stephen. So what? we oh, yeah, yeah, cord yesterday, but like 30 minutes before our scheduled Skype call, uh, the fucking tornado siren started going off in my town. So like uh, we're sitting there and it's raining and then all of a sudden we're like, do you hear that? Do you, do you hear that noise? And we open the window and there's a tornado that landed in my uh, town in Indiana. So we had to grab the cat, put her in a box put that box in another box and then we had to go to like a basement like uh apartment of a friend's to hunker down because we live on the third floor so we'll that's not fucking... exactly tornado conducive is it yeah, it's not where you want to be <laughs> in a tornado <laughs> we also have lots of windows in the house it's just all glass yeah and uh so we got the fuck out of there and we just kind of hunkered down and chilled out until the warning was over a tornado actually touched down in like our our county and it was heading towards us but luckily but like came nowhere near where we were staying steven yeah did you do anything interesting this past week involving but not requiring seeing any good movies reading any good books or playing any good video games uh i this week this last week was was pretty chill it was it was pretty chill. 
uh, just kind of hung out. I'm done with student teaching, so I'm kind of just taking a break for a little bit. I'm I'm yeah. starting a I'm starting a long term sub position on uh in a few, in a few days. So I'm just kind of taking it easy before that, and then um that all starts off up, and that will be crazy, and I'll probably have uh. It, it, remember, remember when 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 there was stress, Stephen, like a month and a half ago. Yeah. It's, it's probably going to go return to that again. So that'll be okay. Fun. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, and that's kind of been my week. Yeah, nothing crazy, nothing exciting, nothing funny, really. There hasn't been a whole lot of like uh, like goose in, in in this intro. But I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> no tornadoes. You know, no you, natural you know, disasters happening. You know what? Uh, this is a quick divergent, but I think you, we have to say we have to say this to save the comedy section of the show. Uh, when when you told me that the there were like tornado sirens going off, it made me think of what uh, what you and uh, our buddy Josh did to me senior year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to tell, that, tell story? that story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were taking like this class senior year where like nobody paid attention or gave a shit. Uh, and we were actually, like, friends with the teacher. He was the soccer coach. But anyway, so we're, like, watching some documentary or whatever. And Steven falls asleep in his desk. And he starts, like, snoring pretty loudly. So uh, Robinson turns off the lights and has all the students, like, crouch near the door. And then he uh, turns off the movie and puts, like, the air, race, air raid siren from, like, World War Two over the intercom. And then Josh and I grabbed one side of Steven's desk a piece and then, like, shook it and started screaming. <laughs> Steven woke up just like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Ah! It was it was alarming. It, it was it was pretty alarming. Started crying uh, and shit. It was great. Yeah, I, I, I peed my pants a little bit. No, I, that, the, the, those last two things didn't happen. It was just very alarming to wake up with the, my desk shaking and the air raid sirens going off. Anyway. We need to really get to the history. Anyway. Yeah, we need to get yeah. to the history. Should we do it? Should we jump in? Yeah, let's play the music. Okay, Steven. Yeah. So, covert operations. So, I want to give like a little definition of covert operations. They are... Right Operations done covertly. Ooh. That's all you need. Ooh. So, like, under the cover of darkness? Uh, I think, like, the actual definition is it's a government or military, whatever, operation that if you get, like, if it fails, nobody can trace it back to the government or something like that. Does that make any Mm -hmm. sense? So like no yeah that makes sense like if if they succeed or they fail I guess it can't be traced so that makes a lot of sense especially with my covert operation it's um a lesser known World War II uh like sneaky spy uh covert operation but it's really cool but let me let me ask you Stephen do you like killing Nazis um you know I do do you like killing nazis in prague in fucking like medieval towns i mean like that this has so many of my favorite elements in that sentence oh it's pretty great do you like killing nazis in a medieval town like prague as a sort of resistance 
based group against a terrible regime. Dave, question. Can I be dressed up in a in full like plated chainmail armor? I mean, you can. Yeah. Well, no, as I want to. As long as you're sneaky. <laughs> no, I, I want to. I also want to be on like an equally as armored horse. Okay, okay. We can work it out. We can work it can out. Can we make it happen? I'm going to tell you the story about Operation Anthropoid. Woo! Okay, so, Stephen. 27 May 1942. Prague. The Operation. The assassination of SS Obergruppenführer and General der Polizei Reinhard Heydrich. You got that? I just wrote it all down. God. All right, Stephen. So the context of this mission, right? In September 1941, Hitler's Nazi Germany had a pretty powerful stranglehold on Europe. This was really the zenith of Nazi Germany's power. Almost all of continental Europe was under the control of the Nazis at this point, right? A few exceptions, of course. Um, Spain, Switzerland, Sweden. uh, But pretty much from the Atlantic all the way to Russia was under Nazi control. So Reinhard Heydrich was appointed to the position of Proctor of Bohemia and Moravia. Uh, And these are sort of counties in Czechoslovakia. They're really big, important ones, right? He was decided to be the replacement for this other guy named Konstantin Van Neurath. The reason is because Hitler believed that Neurath was too easy on the Czechs and gave them too much freedom. So you can kind of understand the expectations that Hitler has for Heydrich coming in and replacing him. Right. So <laughs> Reinhard Heydrich comes to Prague to push the notions of production for the army, but also to crush any resistance sentiment. Oh, he good. became a de facto dictator and was nicknamed the Butcher of Prague, among other things. He was so feared and so powerful that he actually rode around the city during the day in an open-top convertible. And he sat in the back seat. He was so not worried about anybody trying anything. He was that arrogant. And Czechoslovakia was terrorized, pretty much, into a state of anti-resistance. You might know this, uh, but other nations that were defeated by the Third Reich, they had strong underground resistance forces. Places like Greece, France, and Poland. Uh, But... In Czechoslovakia, the former government just fucking bailed and ran to Britain. And a lot of uh, exiled governments did this. Uh, You might be familiar with sort of other resistance groups where the majority of the operations and directions came from Britain. Um, But the Czechs didn't have this. And this made the British a little antsy. And this prompted the exiled Czech government to put into motion a plan that would hopefully galvanize the people and show the world that the Czech people are not happy with the Nazis' rule, right? So planning for Operation Anthropoid actually began uh, on October 20th, 1941. The Czech exiled government 
planned alongside the British Special Operations Executive, also known as the British SOE. Warren Officer Joseph Gabchik and Staff Sergeant Carol Svoboda were chosen as the operatives for this mission. But at the last minute, there was a change uh, that had a guy named Jan Kubrish replacing Svoboda. And this really delayed the mission because Kubrish was not trained, and he didn't even have the false documentation prepared. And remember, this is a very high-stakes mission. They're trying to assassinate a member of the SS, a de facto Hitler's second-in-command in Czechoslovakia. I don't exactly know all of the different um, like titles, but he was an Obergruppenführer, and... That seems pretty big. There's lots of yeah. letters in that word. <laughs> it's a it's a very it's a very long word, and the Germans are known for really liking their very long words. But I do think it was a very important title. I think someone yeah. who who does kind of he he doesn't he doesn't report to anybody but Hitler. Yeah, and uh, so Heydrich was yeah really important, and this was such a high stakes operation because it would not only hopefully lessen the you know uh oppression on the czech people but it would also show the highest ranking nazis that nobody was safe right that anyone could be a target and the fact that they have this sort of delay in the mission and this guy coming in as a last minute replacement it doesn't sound too good (laughs) not to foreshadow too hard but it seems like they might have wanted to wait a bit longer and train him, but they didn't have enough time. So, on December 28th, 1941, the team, Gabchik and Kubish, are airlifted from the UK and land in the town of Nevizdi, around 30 kilometers from Prague. Along with them came seven Czechoslovakian army exiles and two other special force teams with other missions that... I didn't find any documentation about while doing this research. I'm sure I could if I dig deeper. But their names were fucking Team Silver A and Team Silver B. Nice. What the fuck were those guys up to? (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, awesome. Could you imagine? I'm on Team Silver A going in to kill some Nazis. (laughs) Killing some Nazis. Oh, shit. So the soldiers rendezvoused with allies in the town of Pilsen and regrouped in Prague where the details of the attack were planned out. They went through several iterations of the assassination, even going so far at one point as to plan an ambush in the forest waiting for Heydrich's car, but he never showed up. So they were just waiting there. (laughs) Uh, And it was decided that for maximum effect and exposure, they were going to kill Heydrich in Prague, in the streets, in broad daylight. So the day of the attack finally comes, 27 May 1942. At 10.30 a.m., SS Obergruppenführer Reinhard Heydrich begins his daily commute from his home to Prague Castle. He was chauffeured in the back seat of his green Mercedes 320 Convertible B. Gabchik and Kubish moved into position along the route. They awaited for him at a sharp turn that would force the car to slow down. At around 10.32 a.m. as the car approached, Gabchik steps out in front of the car and opens fire with his stern submachine gun. But the gun jams. Oh! Right? Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Heydrich 
orders the car to stop and stands up in the back seat, pulls out his like government issue Luger and starts shooting at Gab Chick in the middle of the street. From an alley behind, Kubish threw a briefcase, a briefcase, sorry, containing a modified anti-take grenade at the car. It misses. It hits on the rear bumper and detonates on the back fender of the car. Jesus. But it still hits. But luckily, it still hits Hijish, who was standing up at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So the shrapnel from the car tears into Hydrish, and also Kubish is, is injured pretty badly in the attack. Immediately following the explosion, Gabchik grabs Kubish, and they fire their Colt M1903 pistols at Hydrish's body. But every shot misses. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Hydrish, unaware of his injuries, stands up in the flames and starts to return fire at the two as they escape down the street. Hydrish eventually collapses and his driver returns to help him. Hydrish commands that he chase Gabchik and he leaves Hydrish alone in the wreckage and chases Gabchik, who's apparently on a bicycle at this point. Gabchik turns a corner and hides in a butcher shop and shoots the driver in the legs as he comes by. At the end, finally, Gabchik and Kubish finally meet up and escape to a safe house by tram. So, the aftermath of the assassination, which did not go so well. (laughs) No, that sounds pretty poorly, poorly put together. So, in the end, Hydrish had a slow and terribly painful death. He languished in the hospital for seven full days until he finally went into shock and spent the remaining four hours of his life in a coma. During emergency surgery, they pulled his spleen out, reinflated a lung, pulled a broken rib out of his other lung, and found remnants of the grenade and upholstery from the inside of the car in his body cavity. So this guy got fucked up. Nice. He was actually really good friends with Himmler, who you might know, who was Mm -hmm. leader of the SS. Himmler actually sent his own personal doctor to take care of Hydrich. Wow. So after Heydrich dies, the Nazis retaliated, and it was really brutal. And this kind of brings into question, even though Heydrich died, the assassination was successful. Was the mission successful? So 13,000 people of Prague were arrested and put into various camps. And then approximately 5,000 Czechs were outright killed in retaliation. False Gestapo intelligence linked the assassins to the two towns of Ladis and Lezaki. Ladis was destroyed on 9 June 1942. 199 men were executed. 95 children were taken prisoner. 81 later killed at Kelmo and er, extermination camp. 195 women were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp. And then for the other village, Lezaki... All men, women, and children were killed on the spot, and both towns were burned to the ground. (laughs) Jesus Christ. As for Gabchik and Kubish, um, through a series of interrogations, the Gestapo found the safe houses. Gabchik and Kubish hid at Karol Boromeski Church, which was an Eastern Orthodox church in Prague. They were eventually found there and a large firefight takes place with them and the remaining soldiers who they flew in with. 
Kubish died in the firefight against the Gestapo, but Gabchik, along with the rest of the team, committed group suicide in the church Ooh. crypts. Ooh, also, God. all of the clergy and uh, like church staff were also killed because Damn, they were helping them out. That's nuts. Yeah. So, despite Good this, Lord. this mission of assassination technically succeeding, um, nobody really <laughs> enjoyed the outcome. Only one Gestapo leader, the SS Obergruppenführer, uh, Reinhard Heydrich, dies. But in response, two towns are completely destroyed. Hundreds of men, women, and children are killed or sent to camps. And then the entire team involved was killed in the church along with the clergy there. And the guy that they got to replace Heydrich was actually way sterner and way harder on the Czech people. Although this sort of did galvanize a little bit of an underground resistance in Prague and the rest of Czechoslovakia. Which is the main purpose of the mission to begin with. So it's really hard to say if this mission is a failure because in terms of paper, all the objectives were completed and everything else was sort of just coincidentals, you know? Um, Right. And honestly, that's how a lot of covert operations go, especially when they don't go according to plan. The ones who commit the operation usually are responsible for a lot of secondary casualties and uh it's sad but like that that's what the exiled czech government and the british soe thought was necessary and acceptable to deem this a mission success so that's operation anthropoid the assassination of ss obergruppenfuhrer and general de police reinhard heydrich happened in prague may 27th 1942 resulted in a lot of bloodshed but it took out one of like the highest ranked nazis during the height of nazi germany and world war ii and sort of started planting the seeds of the underground czech resistance so there you go damn damn that's 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 good scrolls man that's crazy thanks dude that's like how like what it brings the question? How many of those like do we not know about? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like especially in World War Two. Yeah, there's like you know a lot of famous sort of Nazi killing stories. You know, there's like you mm-hmm. know Valkyrie where they wanted to kill Hitler, and there's like you know a bunch of the the Nazi hunters in Brazil and Argentina. But this is a story that like you might not have heard about necessarily, even though it was deemed a success. Because the aftermath was so bad, you know? So many people died as a direct result of this. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's nuts. That's nuts. Wow. Well, should we move on to my story? Yeah, dude, let's get your covert operation going and play the music. Alright, Dave. Yo. So... Today, on this episode, I am going to be talking to you about Operation Azorian. Azorian! Have you heard Have you heard of this before? Nope. Okay. So it's called Operation Azorian or Project Azorian. Um, but uh, this, this whole operation 
which was uh, under uh, which uh, was undertaken by the United States. The whole goal of it was to recover a sunken Russian submarine in 1974. So, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hmm. Is this the hunt for Red October? You, you know, you know, you, 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 you know, it could be. You could, <laughs> it could be. Except uh, Sean Connery wasn't involved, and uh, they weren't going to like blow up New York. I've never seen the Hunt for Red October, so I don't know what that movie is exactly about. I know Sean Connery's in it. I know there's nuclear warheads on the submarine. I know there's like something about something. But uh, anyway. So, Dave, as you know, America and the USSR were, were not exactly buddies in 1974. No, no, I agree, um, I agree. Yeah, no, in fact, this is, like, really kind of the heart of the Cold War. Um, and during this time, the CIA was constantly trying to get info on the Soviets any way that they could. And this is kind of where this operation really comes into play. So, in 1968, the United States gets, gets word that the Soviets lost one of their submarines, the K-129, which is... Not a super creative name, but I mean, I don't think the the Soviets were really known for their creativity. Yeah. Uh, they they make great macaroni pictures, but I think that's about it. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> but shortly after this, the U.S. The, the U.S. witnessed a multi-week intense search mission by the Soviets uh, attempting to locate the ship. So the the United States, I mean, they they are aware that the Soviets kind of lose track of one of their submarines and um this is really sort of uh you know it, it, this is kind of driven home when they witness the soviets having this like crazy intense multi-week search mission to try to recover it but the soviets were unsuccessful and this is because it wasn't exactly easy to find a missing submarine in 1968 uh a lot of tracking that they had on these ships was based kind of around guesstimation, uh, even with the info that they were getting from the submarine. When a submarine goes dark, they really can't can only narrow down the area down, kind of down to a several mile area zone. Um, and even then, they could still be off. It's very hard to figure out exactly where they lost the sub. Um, yeah. But the the U.S. wanted this submarine. They wanted it really, really bad. Uh, first of all, it contains three nuclear warheads, which by themselves are worth the trip to to, to try to get the sub. Uh, just getting those nukes would be entirely worth the effort and the trip. But secondly, the ship most likely carried a bunch of classified documentation and technology that could be incredibly beneficial to the United States. Yeah. So that's the that's why they wanted this ship. They wanted the submarine to get the warheads and to get the information. And so due to, due to the hubris of the United States, they kind of believed that they could succeed where, where the USSR failed and find the K-129. And they do eventually find it, and how they found it is really, really cool. So the Navy had this set of the, this hydrophone network set up in the Pacific Ocean, uh, which is, I, I kind of assume, is just like big microphones that they put in the ocean uh, or something <laughs> to that extent. And the the CIA tasks the Navy with finding records of an explosion or an implosion around the time that the submarine was lost because they kind of assumed that there was a, probably an explosion on the ship that caused the sinking of the submarine. Um, and kind of crazily enough, this works. They found a very, very low-frequency explosion and were able to, able to isolate it to a specific longitude and latitude. 
which I think is nuts that they yeah. found this really, really tiny, tiny faint explosion and were able to get super specific with where it took place. Um, but the, uh, the U S then sent out one of its submarines carrying a huge clusterfuck of lights and cameras to go find it. And the whole idea being that if they found it, they were going to take, or, or, uh, they were, they were going to take a bunch of pictures of it. And they were also going to use this just to kind of, you know, hopefully try to find it. Uh, so, but they had a 1,200-mile area to search from. Pretty pretty big area. But after three weeks, they finally found it. And this was a huge victory and a huge stroke of luck for the United States. Nice. Uh, however, nothing was really done with this info for another six years. So this is 1968 when it happens. The ship isn't actually recovered until 1974. So they, there's a six-year gap. And there's a few reasons why there is this such, such 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 this big gap. One, they didn't exactly know what to do with this information. I mean, how are they supposed to recover a submarine in the middle of the Pacific Ocean that was three miles below the sea level? Um, you know, it's not exactly an easy task to do that. And then two, if they immediately started to reco- started to recover the submarine, no matter how covert they were, the Russians would know what they were doing. The Ru- Russians would figure it out really quickly. So for two years, this is just kind of information that the CIA has, but, bet- but uh, between 1970 and 1972, a plan starts to develop on how they're going to retrieve this. The CIA decides that, they decides that they need to cover up the extraction as much as possible to not tip off the Russians. They decide to build a massive ship disguised as a mining vessel named the Glomar Explorer to extract the sub. And this ship is crazy looking. If you you can you can look up pictures of it, of it, the Glomar Explorer, it looks like a giant ship with a huge like crane in the middle of it. It's crazy, um, but the ship does have a huge claw right in the middle of it that would lift the sub into an internal holding dock within the ship. The reason of building a ship like this is because nothing would ever actually come up onto the deck of the ship. Everything would take place below the water. And so the reason that they wanted to do this, the reason that they wanted everything to take place below the water, water is because they don't want the Russians to ever see them extracting a submarine. They don't want yeah. to ever have to deal with that. They also attached the name of a billionaire, Howard Hughes, to the project, who claimed that he was using the ship for mining purposes. So the CIA went to the billionaire, Howard Hughes, and said, hey, buddy, we need you to go ahead and lie and say you're using the ship to mine. And he agreed to do it, and so that was He's kind like, of their whole cover-up, was the ship was going to be used for mining purposes. Here's this billionaire who could fund the project. So that's kind of their whole cover-up story. He so was in too 19- busy peeing into jars in a movie theater. <laughs> Howard Hughes? Yeah, dude. Did, Did he you really? See the Aviator? No, I didn't see The Aviator. God damn it. I'm so sorry. I'm throwing these at you. <laughs> this is the second time this episode. Oh, uh, in that, well, okay. In 1974, the ship left California and made its way over to the extraction site. Uh, the ship made it successfully to the site and began extracting. But while they were there, two Russian ships approached them at separate times. However, they were able to avoid detection somehow. Somehow they were able to convince these Russians that, no, they were not extracting a Russian sub that they knew was around that general area. But the, uh, 
but but somehow they were able to do it. Somehow they were able to shoo these Russian ships away. The operation was mostly a complete success, kind of like yours. It was considered a success, but it did have some failures. Uh, so while the 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 claw was lifting up a section of the, of the submarine, and the submarine had kind of broken off into three separate sections, and so That's while the claw, good. yeah, it's not good at all. So um, while the claw, and I kind of want to explain how this claw works. So it's it's set up in a lot of the same ways that. Uh, oil rigs are set up where you kind of are constantly you're drilling a hole and laying pipe down as you're drilling and then you can kind of pick the pieces of pipe back up you know what i mean so they're doing this with this claw down into the ocean and it's a huge huge giant claw like it's not like a little grabby claw it's like a gigantic kind of box looking claw it's insane um so while the claw was lifting up two of the three sections of the sub the claw just kind of failed and it dropped them back down to the sea floor but thankfully this the first section they had already gotten up onto the ship and that was the section containing the nuclear missiles which was the the biggest reason to go out and grab this section of the sub it was the their primary goal was to get these nuclear missiles and so because of this the mission is really considered a huge success by the u.s government um so uh so 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 that that's pretty much it and there was a little bit of drama surrounding this. Um first of all, the 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 details of the mission almost got out to the general public. Um right before the ship was set to leave, the main office where the ship was kind of being kept in got broken into and a lot of the documents about the ship were stolen. A lot of people, or uh, the CIA, kind of thought that the there was going to be a huge leak, but it never really Jeez. happened. Um, but then, also, secondly, people kind of st- started snooping around and started to make connections between Howard Hughes and the CIA, and was able to kind of make some loose connections, and was you know, kind of kind of, the these stories started to come out about like you know this ship wasn't being used for what it's saying it was being used for and all this stuff and finally the russians kind of got tipped off about this whole thing the russians got tipped off that the americans were building a ship to go get this to go get this sub that they had located and the russians said no there's no way that's possible they said there's no way they could have possibly gotten that information and they just brushed it off well guess and then, what johnny yeah Whiskey? we got your ship <laughs> we got it. We snagged that song, bitch. And while they were actually extracting the ships, the Russians were told again that, yes, they are extracting a ship. But the Russians at that point, there's really nothing they could do about it. Um, but it was a considered a huge success. Uh, there's books written on it. There's a movie about it. Uh, there's actually tons and tons and tons of pictures uh, of the sunken submarine but only a few of them are unclassified. The um, the original submarine that went to, that was sent out by the United States to go find the K one two nine was uh, spent five weeks just taking pictures of it with this huge kind of contraction or contraption that they had of of a camera, and they were able to take very kind of close up, very specific pictures of it, so they knew exactly what they were dealing with. And there's apparently thousands of pictures of this K one two nine that are classified. Mm. Um, but, yep, that's my story. That's my covert operation. It's a good scroll, Steven. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. S- speaking really quick about how you ended your story, 
Do you ever just like sit awake and think about stuff that will be declassified in a couple years and how like crazy it'll be? Oh, oh, dude, I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I do, I do, and I'm like, oh shit, aliens and like, like who killed JFK and all that stuff. But then I also think like they can just they, they're just going to destroy that shit. They're going to destroy the really really gushy good stuff before yeah. they hand it off to us. The um, 9/11 yeah. conspiracy will never see the light of day. Right, right. <laughs> but uh but, but but yeah, no, it's crazy. It's crazy like how much stuff we do not know about at all that is like definitely the government definitely knows about. I mean, realistically, the president probably doesn't know a lot about a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, no. So uh, so covert operations, cool man. Good good scrolls all around. I would say these were some pretty covert scrolls, man. Yeah, I would say so. They snuck um, in and we're good. <laughs> snuck snuck in undetected, and uh, and I I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. Right anyway, on. so uh, so we have kind of a big announcement ish for uh kind of what the next few weeks is going to be looking like for us next week as you guys know is episode 25 of bad history Episode 25 that's insane we've been doing this shit for 25 episodes almost plus three bet three history hangout episodes yeah so so it's going to be almost 30 episodes when we release 25 that's nuts that is nuts Uh, it's crazy, 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 crazy. Anyway, so Dave and I were talking. We're going to be doing something really, really fun for uh, for episode 25. Dave, should we go ahead and say what we're doing for it? Yeah, just go for it. Yeah. So next week for episode 25, we're going to be doing rapid fire historical misconceptions. Uh, so one thing we always get asked to do all the time, one thing that people say they really like is our historical misconceptions. So we thought for episode 25 – it would be a lot of fun to do rapid rapid fire historical misconceptions. And what I mean by this is that there are a lot of historical misconceptions that we can easily disprove and explain in like 30 seconds to a few minutes. Um, They really don't constitute a full episode, but they're still worth talking about. So we're going to find a bunch of those and we're going to just kind of go, we're just kind of going to go see how many we can knock out in um, under a little bit under an hour in about 15 minutes. And we'll, so that's what we're going to be doing for episode 25. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, It's going to be really cool. Then after episode 25, we are going to be taking a very short break. Uh, As you guys know, if for listeners who make podcasts um, or people who just know about podcasts in general, it's a very, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, It's, you know, over an hour to record each episode and then another few hours to edit and then all that stuff. So it's, it's, you know, you can kind of get burned out on it. We're not like, trying to make excuses or anything and that's just kind of the reality of the situation but it's it's really easy to get burned out and we wanted to take a few weeks off to kind of you know chill have some time and then that way we can start off fresh and so it's kind of going to be the end of season one i guess i don't really think we're going to call it the end of season one but uh but we we, we're probably we're going to pick this back up the first friday of june so we're just taking really the really the majority of May off, but that's it. Um, and we'll pick this up in June, and there's going to be some fun changes to the show, I yeah. think. Yeah, I'm and we're going to try to do some things like reworking some music, um, probably preparing a little bit better for weeks ahead. 
Um, yeah. We're going to tool around with completely off-topic Monday. We're not sure if we're going to bring that back or not because it is another big uh, time investment. But we're going to play around with that idea. Um, yeah. But we're not going to start over at episode one or anything like that. No, no. Yeah. It's going to be, if we call it seasons or whatever, I don't know if we're going to do that, but it's going to be episode 26. It's going to be the first one that right. comes out. But in the meantime... Mm-hmm. You won't be getting any um, future recorded um, <laughs> programming, but you will get a little – you're not going to have nothing during the yeah. time off. We're going to be releasing a very special episode of Bad History with um, some guests, which we'll announce in the future. Um, also, I think we're putting together like a little maybe 20-minute, probably not even that much, like outtakes – episode yeah. with a little bit of like commentary before each section to give the context um yeah because believe yeah. it or not we edit these things down a lot and we usually get into like laughing fits or we lose track of where we are or we have no idea what we're talking about or steven spills his drink all over himself yeah. or i have to run to the bathroom <laughs> and these or- are <laughs> These are some funny moments that we actually have recorded and we've edited out, and we're probably going to put together a collage of them, yeah, and present that. Um, and that will be fun, and they're they're pretty good, and it's stuff like I want to keep in, but like we can't, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I was also thinking of maybe throwing in some of like my favorite bits that we did, yeah, yeah, like a, those in at the like end, like a Simpsons clip show. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> like I can't believe it's come to this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they did like four of those in the first ten seasons too, which is crazy. Yeah, I know they did a lot, <laughs> but but that's kind of what the next month or so is going to look like for Bad History. We're not going anywhere. We're still going to be doing this. I mean, honestly, we're taking this break so that we can just make the show better for you guys because um, that that's really our biggest goal. We want it to be as good as it can be. We want it to be as we wanted we want to have a level level of professionalism while also just being able to make like the stupidest jokes ever yeah and if, if you've also been following the show you might have noticed that we we sort of gained steps of like quality along the way to this point where we are and, and it you look back at some of the older episodes and um, I kind of like cringe about how mm-hmm. like sloppily thrown together it is so just how bad they are yeah, so like when we start this new one, we're just going to bring together all of the elements that we've learned so far that we can implement in one sort of sweeping edit. So like usually when I recommend people to the show, I don't recommend like episode one. I usually no, 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 no. recommend the second history hangout and beyond. And then if yeah. they want, they can go back and listen because like as you can probably tell, our mics have gotten nicer, our editing has gotten nicer. We're going to change the music. We've been trying to think of something new for that for a while. Same with the transition yeah. music. And um, yeah, yeah I, think, just, I think we're going to try to make a, a better package now that we've learned all these tricks. Right, exactly. And I think um, we want to make the show a lot more of our own. And we want it to kind of definitely be something we can we can be really, really proud of. Not saying we aren't proud of it already because like, I'm really, really happy with what we've been doing. But, like, I look at our stats and our first episodes, our most downloaded episode, which, like, I mean, that makes sense. But then I also think, like, God, that was such a shitty episode. Uh, just because, like, the quality's terrible. We talk about, like, Van Helsing for 
15 minutes at the beginning we just didn't know like when to cool it uh but (laughs) but 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 it's gonna be good i'm really 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 excited about about it if you can't tell um so that that'll be fun and we'll talk more about that in the future but june 3rd i think is the first friday of june and so that's when that's when we'll be releasing yeah we'll shoot for june 3rd so look out for us there yeah um so next week is uh rapid fire historical misconceptions for our 25th episode uh so that'll be a lot of fun you can send them in we've already got a lot of good suggestions so far um but send them in to us and we'll see how many we can tackle in about 45 or 50 minutes um but before we end the show i want to do some some quick uh some some quick promos you can find us at uh, bad history podcast.podbean.com itunes just type in bad history rate review subscribe it can go directly to your ear holes that way uh we are on stitcher we're on TuneIn radio we're on google play music um facebook bad history podcast itunes at bad history cast email bad history podcast at gmail.com and that is it for my promos thank god I think we're also going to try to record God, that shit down to a science, that. yo. I think we should record a little promo instead of just riffing on them every week because people are getting tired of that joke where I just tell you not to do what yeah. Stephen tells you to do. <laughs> so we'll tinker around with yeah. that as well. But uh, now that that's over, uh, yeah, we'll just, figure it out. Just want to say thanks for listening, guys. Uh, good scrolls and happy Easter. Thank you, guys. See you.